Always great to be with you on Swing Thoughts, the golf podcast slash radio show. Uh, through the uh, summer months or the golf season, we're uh, proud to be on TSN 1150 in Hamilton, part of the Bell Network, uh, the iHeartRadio Network. My name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show, golf spiritual leader, along with my dear friend. May I say dear friend? Is that absolutely? Does that qualify? My dear golf confidant. That's a sweet thing for you to say. Oh, it's true. We're dear friends. And uh, one of my favorite people to talk golf with, mental performance coach extraordinaire from O'ConnorGolf.ca. Tim O'Connor is with us. Uh, with me, he's with you. We're all together. I think we're a little excited today because uh, the big announcement <laughs> the big announcement came, uh, which we're going to get to. Uh, golf is back, and uh, actually during this show, there might be some people on their way to a golf course. Uh, this program is brought to you by TaylorMade Golf Canada, TaylorMadeGolf.ca, the all-new Sim and Sim Max drivers. Uh, reshape your game today. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn about the new Shape in Motion family of TaylorMade products. And we should get right to it because one of the things that I've been talking about on my other little show, you and I have been talking about, is the uh, the return not only of golf in Ontario, but the return of golf on television, and it's all for a great cause. And to that end, we've got the general manager of TaylorMade Canada and Latin America, uh, Caliente, uh, Dave Bradley. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm great, Howard. Thanks for having me. Hey, Tim. Hey, good morning. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, this uh, event that's uh, being played out, it will be tomorrow. Uh, this show is running on TSN on Saturday. It's called TaylorMade Driving Relief. Just give us uh, the parameters of it and maybe a bit of the genesis as to how it came about and how quickly it's come together. Yeah, you know, I, I it came together really quickly, Howard. I mean, we've been, I believe, the marketing team down in Carlsbad, which is our headquarters, global headquarters, been working with the PGA Tour, uh, NBC, and Sky Sports over the last three or four weeks to kind of make this thing come, uh, you know, come to life, right? So, I, you know, obviously it's a great cause. Um, it's probably it's the first uh, live televised golf event uh, of the year, and we're super excited. Well, since the since the sheltering in edict, but we're super excited about having golf on TV. But we're more excited about uh, being part of this great cause. It's a three million dollar skins game. With four of our great athletes, so we got DJ uh, Dustin Johnson, we got Rory playing against Ricky and uh, Matthew Wolf. So maybe a little lopsided, but it's for a good cause anyway. So three million dollars uh, to support uh, United Health, uh, which is a great cause in, in the fight against uh, COVID nineteen. Yeah, it's going to be awesome uh, to see these guys hitting actual shots live time. We're not going to know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. And I think one of the, you know what, honestly, one of the coolest things to me is to watch these guys carry their own golf bags. What? Yeah, what right. is that all about, Dave? <laughs> well, it's part of the new protocol, right, Howard? I mean, uh, you can ride in a cart if you're an individual or, That's or right. if you're, you know, if you're, you're with someone that you live with or you can walk. And I think, uh, you know, they're following the protocol. That's been laid out for the majority of us. So it's going to be interesting to see these guys strap on a carry bag 
not have that big giant staff bag sitting beside them on the green. So I love it. That's gonna it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be fun to watch. You know, that's a great point you bring up. Talk about m- making it even more relatable and a, and a bit more raw. The fact that it's for such a great cause, frontline health care workers and support uh, the work that they're doing. But but just to see these guys, you know. I don't know that we get to see those particular players, Rory McIlroy, DJ, and and Ricky, in a real casual setting. You know what I mean? It's going to be a, a very unique uh, offering, right? And you know, it's they've dedicated their time, they donated their time graciously to a great cause as well. Uh, I believe Farmers has chipped in on behalf of Ricky another million, so there's four million dollars in the pot. Howard, the really neat thing though is you're going to see Seminole Golf Course which uh, this is the first time it's actually been on TV, right? In wow. a live event. So, and it is, it is iconic. I mean, it's a really neat uh, layout. 140 acres, pretty tight, shaped like a trapezoid. Uh, <laughs> Donald Ross creation. Hang on uh, a second, Dave. I've got a, I've got yeah. a Google trapezoid. I, yeah, I was I gonna say, <laughs> thank you, Howard. Thank you. Sorry, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, pay a lot of attention in science, so <laughs> let me just get trapezoid. I Googled think, up Howard, here. I think that was geometry. Oh, was Outside. it? Okay, whatever. See, yeah. I was out hitting yeah. golf balls and uh, smoking cigarettes. So, uh, yeah. but it's it's unique. Right. Dave makes a point though. You don't see Seminole on TV. No, and no. it is legendary. I think it's the course that Hogan hung out in the winter time, and there's all these great stories of him and Venturi and uh, some of his his other buddies. But I just like the idea that that we're going to get to hear these guys banter with each other. And I don't know, Dave, if you ever been on one of those um, or seen the raw video of when these guys are hanging out, shooting commercials. Yeah. I've seen the outtakes. You guys have seen, you know, the, the what's made into actual content that we air, but it gets even better. Uh, the outtakes and the kibitzing. And, I, bet. I mean, these guys really, they really enjoy each other. They have a ton of fun out there. You know, if you don't know what we're talking about, folks, go check. Just Google these tailor-made uh, commercials. What I like is, you know, I'm such a tiger nerd, but it's it's kind of cool because you get all these guys hanging around, but there's a definite referential vibe when Tiger goes to hit. You know, I think there was one where they were saying about how far they could hit their drivers, and it was Tiger's turn. They all kind of step back a bit. Oh, there's a ton of respect there. You can see it. Oh, yeah. You see it. Well, you see it. You see it during every tournament, but especially need to see it in a, in a in an event where they kind of let their hair down a little bit. And it's yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. He's he's awesome. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, the four of them just kind of match up against each other, uh, particularly uh, the bombers, uh, DJ Rory and Matthew Wolf. That and that's really going to be fun because this is really going to be in many ways, a kind of a coming out party for Matthew Wolf. Yes, he won an, an event, I think it was last fall. Uh, yeah. You know, Gankus, he's made him famous. But it's really going to be fun to watch him and that golf swing. Yeah. 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 Uh, he can he can get it out there for those of you that don't know Matt Wolf. I mean, oh, yeah. he is deep. He's, it's unorthodox, which I kind of like. Uh, it's I not a store-bought it. swing. But he can really get it out there. And this course is going to set up for, for these guys bombing it and, and then, you know, trying to stick it close on a Donald Ross green. Yeah, well, and don't kid yourself. Really? I've seen uh, – I was lucky enough to watch Ricky 
up close a couple of years ago at the Scottish Open. He he can hit he can hit it out there pretty good too. Uh, let's talk yeah. a little bit. Speaking of hitting it, um, you know this has been an unusual year to say the least for everybody, including the golf industry. What um, a couple questions? You know, where golf has opened up now in Ontario, the rest of the country already golfing. Forty eight states are golfing. How have you guys been able to promote your new products, which Tim and I both have, the Sim drivers, and uh, I have the new 790s. How has that promotion been different? And now that we're about to be unleashed, I I call it unleash the rounds, how how are you going to uh, get everyone this product as quickly as you can? We had a lot of momentum leading up to uh, mid-March when obviously uh, this pandemic hit. <clears throat> and then we took a hiatus, obviously, in terms of promoting our brand, uh, and uh, which was the right thing to do. We did a lot of social media, um, you know, like contests, things like that to keep people engaged and maybe keep their mind off of what they're going through. Uh, but it wasn't certainly, you know, a hard sell uh, for us. Uh, and we recognized that there was it wasn't a, it wasn't a time not that we're ever a hard sell, but it wasn't really a time to do a lot of promotion of your product. It was more a time to, you know, get people um, engaged in other ways with golf. So now that we see golf opening up again, we've got a a strategic plan in terms of uh, doing a little more marketing, uh, getting involved with televised events, our social media content. Uh, We've got a new ad that's going to run. That's golf is back commercial, which actually is going to run fittingly uh, on Sunday. Nice. Golf is basically back. So, um, yeah, we're, we're celebrating the game and we're, we're all golfers, Howard, and, and we're as excited as anybody else to get back out there and play it. So, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I put out a, I put out a blog this morning and I was asking people, what's going to be your walk on music for your first right. tee shot? <laughs> yeah. I'm playing, I'm playing born to be wild. But anyways, um, Howard was saying that the hybrid, so despite being, you know, the, the course is closed down that the uh, the tailor-made sim max is is uh there's been like a run on it can you talk to that a little bit yeah no one can get the hybrid dave <laughs> i'm telling you right now that, amongst the golf nerd community dave you should just know the hybrid is already mythical in how oh. far it goes it's to, you know what it's a it's a testament to the power of these you know rory picked that up in one of those commercials that we actually ran uh during the event and they were making fun of them, uh, you know, because these guys don't use typically hit a hybrid, right? They're hitting long irons, three woods, five woods, right? So they made a little fun of them until he started pounding this thing. And yeah. then, funny enough, DJ puts it in the bag. DJ still got it in the bag. Rory's got it in the bag. It's so versatile. And, uh, I mean, they, they, they're really, they love it. They love it. Well, we're all so looking forward. Uh, we're looking forward to the golf event, uh, TaylorMade Driving Relief. I know that we've talked a lot about the event itself. It's a skins game. Most of us know what that is. Yeah. But you mentioned a lot of television partners, so let's just make sure everyone knows. It's 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon, and here in Toronto, in the southern Ontario area, where can we see it? So it sounds like it's going to be aired on TSN and CTV uh, as well, and um, yeah, which is fabulous because um, obviously they're looking for, they're looking for the, the same content that we're looking for, right? Uh, and the one thing I want to mention, uh, you know, that's really, really important is obviously the the uh, American Nurses Foundation, the CDC Foundation, uh, and United Health are American organizations. 
when we first found out about this uh, driving relief fund, we realized we needed a Canadian component to this. So we went out, reached out to Frontline Fund, um, which is really, it's a kind of a, a, an interesting fund. It just started up, uh, and it's actually designed to help frontline workers across Canada. It's actually um, being, uh, we're contributing to 160 hospitals across the country and the frontline workers at those hospitals. We, we went to them with the game plan, uh, with a proposal. They approved it in two hours, Howard. Nice. So oh, wow. there's an opportunity for Canadian golfers who are watching as well to to donate to a Canadian cause called Frontline Fund. So that's fabulous. Excellent. So is there going to be like a like a, a URL that goes across the screen or 800 number to call during the broadcast? Because I'm sure a lot of people are going to really be moved and want to uh, help out here. I'll check. I'll check with our marketing team on that. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a ton of social content uh, by us. So you'll be able to, you know, click onto it and donate where you can. I'll see if we're going to run something uh, while it's televised. It's All right, I'm, I'm old style. You know, it's yeah. like like the yeah. like the televised thing was it with uh, Jerry Lewis crying and stuff. So that's where I <laughs> right. went. Yeah, right. maybe for Tim, you could put a, a letter with a check in it or something. <laughs> Tim will sit down and. Maybe let send, see if I gotta, let's, let's see if I can find a stamp. Um, yeah. Dave What's Bradley, stamp? Uh, congratulations, the GM of TaylorMade Canada and Latin America. TaylorMade Driving Relief. It's on TSN, CTV as well. Uh, who's carrying it in the States? Is it NBC, the Golf Channel? NBC and the Golf Channel. Sky All Sports right. as well in the UK. And uh, there's an opportunity to uh, donate to Frontline Fund and... Uh, and we thought it would be fun. I just got the note from Nick, and uh, we thought it would be uh, appropriate to uh, give away a couple of dozen tailor-made uh, golf balls, the TP5, the picks, the response. What, Timmy, what did you just show up show to me? That was the picks? That's, uh, so, everyone, we're on Zoom here, just uh, you know, that new technology, yes. Uh, yes, the TP5X. Uh, any of the guys going to be playing that, David, do you know? I, I look through what they have in the bags. You don't see that. Yeah. But- It'd be fun to see that. Yeah, yeah that's Ricky's ball. Ricky's uh, awesome. had that in play. He had it in play that's at right. Bay Hill wow. with the uh, Arnold umbrellas on it, right? So nice. It's a, it's a pretty cool technology. He helped design it, too. Well, we want to make this contest as simple for as many people. So go to our Facebook page on Swing Thoughts. All you got to do is name all four golfers uh, of TaylorMade Driving Relief. You've already heard their names. Uh, you go ahead and enter, and the first two people that we see that get that right will give you each a dozen uh, tailor-made balls. We're not sure which uh, exactly we'll get the, the TP5 or the picks, but uh, a dozen to the first person that gets us the four names of the players in the tournament, uh, and we'll do that twice. Go to uh, Swing Thoughts on uh, Facebook, and Timmy, we can uh, tweet that out as well. Dave, thank you so much for taking some time with us today, and and thank you on behalf of both Tim and I for uh, supporting this podcast. You know, before it was cool. I mean, it's cool now. Everyone wants to be part of it. <laughs> but but there was a time when it was just us three, Dave, and you were there. And we appreciate it. No problem, Howard. Hey, see you guys on the golf course. I hope so, man. There's a good yeah. thought. Thanks, All right, man. take care and stay safe, my friend. Thanks, guys. There you go. Uh, it's Dave Bradley, um, and once again, Frontline Fund is uh, how you can contribute on Sunday. Uh, TSN here in Canada, CTV as well. And Dave is right, you know, uh, content, well, you you said it at the beginning, Timmy. It's like, there's just, 
a pent-up demand not only for us to play golf, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing something, as you said, that I don't know how it's going to turn out. <laughs> I know. I'm looking forward to it. And I was even wondering, is it going to be uh, Dan Hicks? Uh, is it going to be Zinger? Yeah. I, I got to think they're going to have their A-team there. Oh, my God. Another their board's spitless. Exactly. It's going to be fun. I wonder how long it takes for Zinger to get himself in any hot water. Yeah, well, uh, he's not. Uh, he's fine. He's not. Uh, he's not Johnny Miller. He's just okay. I don't mind. I don't mind a Zinger. No, I, absolutely. I, I, I miss yeah. uh, Johnny Miller, though. Um, so that's speaking of TSN. I wanted to segue to this. So we've we've. I want everyone to be sure that you understand. We're giving away a dozen balls times two to the first people that will go to our Facebook page. And just put your name in, the four players in this tailor-made tournament, and uh, there you go. And we'll send you the uh, golf balls. But there was a great sort of Zoom TSN moment this week. I'm not sure if you heard about it with uh, Mike Weir. You know what? I, I did catch it somewhere, but I didn't see it. So they it was Mike Weir's 50th uh, birthday, and he thought he was being interviewed by our friend Bob Weeks. Who I've had, uh, I had recently had him on the Humble and Fred show, along with James Duthie, also recently on the show with me and Fred. And uh, the three of them got on a Zoom call like this, and they were saying, hey, Mike, it was for their um, for their TSN show called, I think it's called Golf Talk. I should know the name of that. Golf Talk Canada, I think. Yes, Golf Talk Canada. Thank you. Is that you. one with um, our pal? Mark Sakino. Mark Sakino, right. So they're on this uh, Zoom call with Weirzy. You know, that's what we call him, Weirzy. Oh, hang on a second. Here, just, there's Stanzy. Yeah, there's Stanzy. Just keep talking for a second. I got to get Stan to stop barking. Okay. <laughs> this is this is what I love about doing podcasts, folks. It's like it's just like doing your Zoom call with your mother uh, and your and your nieces and. <laughs> keep talking. You're doing great. <laughs> the doorbell goes and the security goes off, but. Uh, yeah, we we actually we had weeks on this show last year. That was really fun. I love um, O'Connor. He's a Weeksy's a great uh, riffing. Weeksy's a great conversation. That guy. Who Stan? Weeksy. Oh yeah, Weeksy's great. Weeksy, Weirzy, Weirzy. So um, they get Mike on, and there's the three of them: Duffy, uh, Bob Weeks, and they're talking to him about you know what he's looking forward to when the golf continues, a Champions Tour, etc. And I think his birthday was this week. And all of a sudden, his uh, his former caddy, Brendan Little, comes on. And then one by one by one, it's Adam Hadwin, it's Delet, it's all the young Canadian stars. It's on and on and on. And all of a sudden, the screen is filled with people wishing... Mike, we're the best. And and then and That's then beautiful. It is beautiful. And then uh, Tom Cochran comes on. And here's what Cochran says to him. And I, I know I've known Tom a long time. And I, he, you want to talk about a golf nerd? He would absolutely. Uh, you know what? Tom could. We could get Tom on the show because he loves nothing more than talking about golf. And he comes on and says that his favorite Canadian sporting moment of all time is watching Tiger Woods put the green jacket on Mike Weir. It was just great. Oh, that's great. It must I know. A few tears. Must have been a few tears. No, it was it was fantastic. And and just go on Golf Talk Canada or TSN, and uh, you can see the video there with uh, all three of them. And then you and Mike's touched. And Mike looks great, by the way. He's got the COVID beard going. You know, he's got the quarantine beard, like everybody. But uh, 
It was just a nice moment, and, and I think all fans uh, of which uh, we think we uh, speak to uh, will enjoy it. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I missed it, so well, I'll have to go look back, at it, and, yeah. back and look at it. Um, it we're going to do a few more minutes and then take our first break here on TSN. And then uh, coming up in a few minutes' time, we're really excited. An old friend of the show, uh, George McNamara, will be joining us. Tim, you might want to help set up who George is and why I think people will enjoy what George has to say. Well, George is a close personal friend of Fred Shoemaker, who longtime listeners to the show know we reference a lot. Yes. Um, We've both been uh, coached by Fred Shoemaker. I've been to, golly, all kinds of his uh, workshops. But he is an icon in golf coaching. And so we participated in a Zoom call with Fred, George, and a bunch this week. So we'll be able to kind of go in and investigate some of that stuff. And, it, folks, it's, it's fascinating stuff because it's not your typical golf culture stuff it's a different way of looking at the game so it's really interesting well it is for a lot of reasons as you say george mcnamara uh if fred shoemaker is and i don't want to get biblical here uh because i would offend somebody but it, well let's just put it away if george george is an acolyte we're all i guess we're all acolytes of fred's but george is a close he's worked with fred for a long time uh, and it was great because George was on this call that we were on. And, and what we're going to talk about after our first break here is the nature of practice. And uh, the whole hour was about that in a very unique shoemaker, extraordinary golf kind of way. And, and, and even though I've heard a lot of what Fred had to say, as you have, it's always interesting seeing him say it and, and re-engaging with him because he's, he's really unique. And I appreciate your... Uh, inviting me on i you know I, I there were 70 other people there but i i was it was just wild i, I knew you'd find it fascinating <laughs> so good I mean, he's just like if you're a golf nerd fred shoemaker is i mean we're talking deep golf nerd dumb yeah he's not on a top 50 golf coaches in in north america or anything like that in golf digest but among people who really are into this game, particularly the uh, performance aspect of it, Fred Shoemaker is the guy that so many people talk to. Like, for sake of example, that Zoom call, last the coach's call, we had about 12 people on the call. Ten of them said their greatest influence was Fred Shoemaker. <laughs> well, anyone that doesn't know him, look him up, but uh, there's a great book to start with. It's the one that got both Tim and I interested in. It's called Extraordinary Golf. Uh, really quickly, before we go to the break, you know by now golf courses are open. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit at some point here uh, about what exactly we all have to do to be responsible uh, socially, uh, distance and all that stuff in the context of golf. And I think there's a little bit of controversy surrounding what the cup's going to do because i've heard different things i don't know what it's like at blue springs at glencairn they're talking about a cup where it just goes down an inch or so have you heard anything about this yeah so what they're doing is so in a golf hole there's an actual plastic liner and yes. usually it's down there by about an inch so you can see the dirt around it but what they're going to do is they're going to elevate it so that the liners in fact protruding if you will out of the hole by about an inch so all you have to do when you putt is if your ball hits the liner it's ruled as having been hold so i told 
told my I, I wrote my blog today. If I leave a putt short, you have permission to bury a wedge in my forehead. <laughs> There's no reason to be short ever if all you got to do is whack that liner. Yeah. And there's actually a video of some guy who shot 59 or something. And, you know, he's just like from 10 feet, wham, off that thing. Hold it. <laughs> um, so that's the and, – and that's why another aspect or wrinkle to all this uh, golf reopening is that these scores, from what I heard, are not – you can't use them for handicap purposes. Yeah, well, I get that. That's, actually, that's the first I heard of that one. That wasn't in the Ontario government guidelines. And well, no, of course, they don't give a crap. Uh, that's what golfers care about. What is this going to do to my handicap? What if exactly. it goes up? Uh, all right, we'll take a quick break here. Uh, great talking to uh, Dave Bradley from TaylorMade. TaylorMade Driving Relief uh, is tomorrow at 2 o'clock all across Canada. Uh, helping the Frontline Fund, and I can't think of a better group to uh, have money go to. We'll take a quick uh, moment or two, and we'll come back. This is Swing Thoughts, Tim O'Connor, Humble Howard, brought to you by TaylorMade Golf Canada. You feel all right when you hear the music ring. You know, I get to do a radio show uh, for many, many hours each week uh, here in southern Ontario. You may have listened to the Humble and Fred show, and yet the thing I look forward most to do is this one-hour golf nerd out with my friend Tim O'Connor. It's like, is it almost time for Swing Thoughts? So uh, Tim is here, O'ConnorGolf.ca. You can go check him out. Another great blog produced today about the opening of golf courses, or I, as I call it, release the rounds. And uh, I like that Simpsons reference. I don't that's know what a, that is. I'm not a Simpsons that's fan. That's Smithers thing. Is it? He would always, uh, Mr. Oh, the, the mean guy. George. Yeah, I don't know who, yeah Mr. He Smithers. Yeah. Release the hounds. Uh, anyhow, well, we're here. We're talking golf. We were talking about uh, how golf courses are going to cope with um, the new rules around not only playing the game, but of course, you know, being responsible when you arrive. If you're a, a Club Link member like we are, a lot of courses like Club Link and private courses have already put protocols into place. Public courses uh, will have them listed. Uh, anyways, you, we don't need to go into those now because you can go check them out depending on where you're playing. One thing I was hoping would happen, but I don't think it did, is the opening of driving ranges. And I think it's because they don't want people uh, touching the golf balls. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Plus the fact that um, they're so close beside each other but george mcnamara is with us and he he is partner in the golf zone and they have a driving range so what do you do george yes we've range? been open for two weeks now our uh, our tee pads are with mats are 12 feet apart which is safe we just can't have a lefty hitting next to a righty so we control that our grass area is closed because it's hard to really control that putting greens open our miniature golf is open our go-karts are closed what about uh putting uh, balls on tees Yes, we clean the tees in the morning with a disinfectant. The balls are, are, are washed every day with, with bleach. Um, when we get them and bring them back, they're washed again with bleach. Uh, 
We have sneeze guards around the whole place where we check in. So it's safe for us and safe for the customers. We require a mask for everyone and everyone's uh, complying with that. So we're as safe as we can be for right now. All right. Well, just hold that. No one's ingesting that bleach, are they, or anything? (laughs) Uh, We tried it, but that didn't really uh, work so good. Just hold that thought for a second, George. This half hour, of course, brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. Uh, We were talking quite a bit about the uh, big TaylorMade charity event. It's tomorrow all across uh, North America on NBC, TSN here in Canada. And, of course, this program brought to you by TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Before the break, we mentioned we were going to speak to one of the, uh, in the Church of Fred Shoemaker, uh, this is one of the uh, high priests, someone that's been uh, following the, uh, the, world, the word of Fred uh, for quite some time. Uh, Tim and I were introduced to uh, Fred Shoemaker I think similarly through the book Extraordinary Golf. Just remind us, because I know you've done the show before, and we'll get into the meat of this, but remind us quickly how you came across the word of George, uh, Fred. <laughs> well, I uh, had been bouncing around a long time teaching, and I met Fred at the Teaching Summit in 2004. I had attended every Teaching Summit, which is every two years, um, since, like I say, 86. And 2004 was my last Teaching Summit. Fred gave a, uh, a presentation for two hours that just absolutely blew me away. I, I, I just thought of, if this was possible, this was really cool and I wanted to pursue it. And it's been a pursuit ever since. What was the thing, what was the core message that made such an impact on you? Cause I think you've told me you were kind of standard golf pro nuts, you know, nuts and bolts, mechanic stuff. What did Fred say that rocked your world so much? Well, he got up in front of a thousand teaching pros and said that uh, fixing doesn't fix and changing doesn't change. So, of course, that was a that didn't that went over like a lead balloon. But then he <laughs> went on to, to tease us a little bit about what what's possible. Maybe if if that were possible, what would it be like? And that was an intriguing question for me. And uh, I'm still trying to answer the question, but it, but it's been a fun journey. Well, you know, Tim is a uh, mental performance coach, and I've been coached by some of the, uh, you know. I'll just give you some context. There's, I've had some great luck to have had lessons from some very fine teachers. But the model that Fred talks about, Tim talks about, I talk about, that's broken is the model of the guru. Uh, here's the solution. Do this, and that's the pathway to nirvana in golf. How, how is Fred's teaching different? How is your teaching different than that model? Yeah, well, first of all, um, it seems to me, and Tim and I have, t- have talked about this quite a bit, that the really successful teachers are the ones that have a model, and they stick to their model, and uh, people either flock to it or don't, but the ones making the most amount of money have a model, stick to it, don't vary from it, will uh, will go to the cross with it, uh, really don't want to hear anything else because they've been successful, therefore, to them, it's successful. So that, that's that's one way. So, you know, 95% of all lessons are doing lessons. You come to me, I tell you what to do, you try to do it. But 5% of lessons of other lessons are, are awareness lessons and how you being during the course of awareness. And that's, that's what Fred does. It's, Fred doesn't have a model, but his core principle is awareness. And uh, as you grow your awareness in the game, in certain variables, there's about five different variables in, in, the, in the golf swing. As you grow awareness in those five things, um, I have never seen someone not improve if they stick with the gro- growing those variables. Yeah, but George, you know, golf is like anything else nowadays, and 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 in in golf's you know life, it's always been this way. Where you know, I have a problem. I think I've I can't 
figure out how to do this thing in golf and I come to you and I say, can you fix me, please? And you give me a tip or two and I go away. And as Fred said on the call the other day, no real improvement ever happens day to day without some awareness growing and some new neural pathways being formed. But you guys both know this. Most people don't want that. You know, I've seen Tim give a guy a chipping lesson, and I heard him trying to get the guy to understand that there's an awareness model or there's an awareness to this activity, but not everyone wants to hear that. Well, I, I think that um, I have to disagree with you. I think people do want to hear it. I think it has to be presented in a different way. I think when we give a, a coaching session, we set the coach, coaching session up. We we deal with someone's point of view. I mean, it's okay. Your point of view of the world is unbroken. I need to be fixed. That's fine. But is it possible there's a different way? And that's that's where we live. We live in a different way. And I, I just have not seen anybody that once they get into it is not excited about it. It's that everybody's been doing the same thing over and over again. They've been fixing and changing but never sustaining. And it's like a cat chasing its tail. Mm-hmm. You know, they have one fix and it works for a couple of weeks and then it doesn't work and then it's another fix. And then uh, a year later, they're right back on the same fix and then it goes, starts all over again. So, for the most part, people are frustrated. That's just my dog again, barking. He responded to the dog chasing its tail yeah, perfectly. So, that's right. So I, think people, I think people are very much, if it's, if it's presented the right way, yes. you know, we, we, uh, we, are, we train coaches into enroll people. How do you enroll somebody in this? And if you're not enrolling them, then I think you're correct that, that it's hard to sell to someone. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe you're right. I just was saying that I think for a lot of people in the golf world, they come to us, to you, to be fixed. Now, once they get their heads around what we're talking about, I, I absolutely think it's, it'll be revelatory. Uh, Timmy, what were you going to say? Well, I was. it was interesting that, George, when you're talking about uh, – Coaches, teachers are successful. You were talking from a business standpoint yes, about absolutely. people coming in, handing over their hard-earned cash, taking whatever information was downloaded, they go and work on it. But what you were, the key piece was that they've not been as successful as actually helping people play better, learn more about themselves. And my experience as a coach and and yours, and we've talked about, is that when people start to get a sense of how capable they are, that's when the light goes on. They get really excited because they start to understand they're not broken. They actually have all this amazing ability. And when they, they don't know that. Exactly. They don't, don't know it because right. they don't experience it. Right. But when you can start to do some, some physical things, like just even just, just playing catch. And they go like, oh, wow, I can do this thing. And then you, you change that to what's happening with the club and, and being aware of, say, through feel, the weight of, say, a, a wedge or something. And staying with that, they start to feel, holy cow, this is, I can do this. And that's where the, you kind of light that internal flame. Yeah, our job, I think, as coaches, at least in the beginning, is to show someone possibilities. If they leave the first time we spend with them, Without any possibilities, it's over. It's done. But if they leave excited, charged, and they see that it's possible for them to do it, then the opposite happens. They get charged up, and they want to do it. They want more. And ultimately, our job is to get them to coach themselves. You know, can, can we give you enough awareness? Can you get your own awareness? Can we train you with awareness that you can coach yourself in those critical variables? It's a cool process. So awareness. This is a word yes. that gets bandied around a lot. Yes. and. People reading about mindfulness. So give me an example of awareness with someone, say, trying to chip better. 
How does awareness work in that regard? Well, we would ask someone to, to, to take a look and see what they're interested in. For example, let's suppose um, they were interested in, in feeling the club face as it works around their body, which would help anybody in shipping or any parts of the game. I mean, anyone can feel their hand. And is it possible that for one split second in your life, you can let go of where the ball goes, the outcome, and just notice, just pay attention to what your hand does. I mean, your hand's the face of the club. Could you pay attention to your hand as you take the club back and forth? And it's not hard to do if, if you would focus, not so much focus on the outcome of the chip and mm-hmm. just let that go for a little bit and just deal with, with the, your hand or the club face. It's a cool process. It's not a hard process. It really isn't. The problem with it is outcomes, in my view, all outcomes initially mute the awareness process. You can't have an out, go to the outcome, judgment of an outcome, and it just mutes what just happened to your body. Can you just let that go for a little bit? Yeah, we're looking for outcomes. I get it. I wanted outcomes. You want it. Everybody wants outcomes. But how about if the process takes care of the outcome, not the outcome? Uh, George just frozen up there a little so bit. it's a different paradigm. It's completely different than the look of the field. You know, a lot of instructors will say to their student, here, I'm going to show you something, and don't worry about where the ball goes. You know, it's sort of a standard thing. The problem with that is it it's the paying attention. It's, you know, I've been reading this. Uh, I've been talking about it the last few weeks on the show. The uh, the Obstacle is the Way, which is a, a great book for any anything. It's great for golf, but it talks a lot about where you place your attention. And the problem with the game for a lot of people is we place our attention on where the ball goes to our own detriment because as we talked about on that call the other night it, it's a it becomes this cycle of self-judgment and self-judgment as an impediment to progress because we're sort of internally judging all the time if we're good or if we're bad and what i love about what george and and fred and tim talk about is you know when you're just trying to hit a few chip shots by being aware of maybe the pressure in your last three fingers the outcome then doesn't matter as much because you're feeling like oh well like that time i lost track of where those fingers were i don't know halfway back and and that's a different place to put your attention and i think that's kind of the key and i i don't know if i've explained that well but maybe you can articulate it better yeah well i think that when you're playing the awareness game you can't lose Right, you know, either in the in the midst of your intention, either you got it or you didn't. But if you didn't, you know that you didn't. So you so you're in the process of learning. You know, I mentioned the other day that uh, I, I work at a huge, big facility here in in, uh, in Honeybrook, and I watch thousands of people practice. They come in, get a bucket of balls, roll the balls onto the tray, hit one ball after the next, and and many times I go out and ask the person, "What's your intention?" And it's always a hard question for people. You know, they're doing the very best they can. They're, you know, everybody out there is trying the best they can for what they know. But when I ask what's your intention, it's a strange question. Yeah. And they look at me like a funny question. Like, what do you mean by that? What's my intention? Well, what you're practicing, what do you tend to do on this particular shot? And they generally don't have an answer or they make <laughs> something up. You can tell when, when they're struggling with that. Sometimes people say, hey, I just want to bang the ball in the middle of the range, and that's fantastic. That's what your attention happens to be. But rarely do people say that. They say, I want to get better. And they're just, they're just hitting ball after ball after ball. So I said this the other night. You know, if you, you look at the anatomy of a golf swing, you know, the, the first second of a swing generally is something to do, some swing thought. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's some, something to get the club back. 
the next half second becomes survival. I got to hit the golf ball. So it's, <laughs> it goes to a half second to the ball. And then there's one more half second, and that's a finish. And then the two seconds after that is always a look up, look at the outcome, judge it. And from that judgment goes back to that first second. If you're doing it, if you like the outcome, you'll keep doing the same thing for a while. When the outcomes aren't so good, then you'll start filtering around. But that's just a broken paradigm because outcomes always change. You're always changing your swing based on the last outcome. I'm not. I'm telling people are doing the best they can. I'm saying that that it's possible to go a different way and get some get some results. And that is seen so much in the common experience of so many golfers. Say they go to the the range on late on a Friday afternoon. They're looking forward to the Saturday morning game. So they start hitting, they're kind of looking for something, and they find a feel. Great, I got it. They're, they drive home, they're so excited. Tomorrow, I'm breaking 90, 80, whatever. I own golf. I finally got this feeling. And then they tee off, and within three holes or five over, and on swing thought, 27. <laughs> <laughs> and because it was really interesting how we talked the other night that you're actually a different person the next day. Yeah. And that feel that you had the day before, that doesn't work anymore because you're a different person. But when you're going towards your innate abilities, it's a lot more consistent, in my view. I just oh, yeah. see people that, uh, that, that, you know, to throw something underhanded or hit a baseball. So elaborate really on about. that. For our listeners, they're all over. The, we, we have everyone from plus handicappers to 30 handicappers. Yeah. So when you say innate abilities, how do, what do you mean? Well, if I if you were standing here about ten feet away and I asked you to throw a ball to me underhanded, you would immediately know how far your arm would go back. Your arm wouldn't go inside; it wouldn't go outside. It would be on some sort of a plane on the way back. You release the ball just at the right time. You probably wouldn't knock me over with it. You probably would have the right speed. It's amazing what would happen with that with the ability that you already have. Well, why would golf be that much different than that? There's there's an ability there. I mean, I understand we make it different. Well, that's I, I, I mean, I love. I love to break down golf swings. It's fantastic, but not for the learning process. You know, I'm sorry if I may jump in there, George, because that's important is that for some reason, we have all these other complicated things we do innately. Throw a ball, hit a bat, tennis ball. I can can go against the side of a school and hit tennis balls for hours without really thinking about how I'm doing. Why is it then... That we feel we need a map. You described it, uh, the the backswing perfectly. We have a thought for there. We have a thought for there. What is it we just can't seem to trust the fact that somewhere along the way, all three of us know how to hit a 90-yard wedge without really thinking think, about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's two things. First of all, um, the golf ball is still, it's just there, and it gives you a lot of time. You know, every other sport that I played, I played a lot of baseball growing up. You know, you throw a ball at you, you catch it. You have a bat in your hand and you hit it. Uh, you hit it, you run. You know, you don't really think about. It. I mean, I've right. never seen a, I've never seen a, a batter hold a bat perfectly still with their body still. I always see them moving around and moving around and waiting to to instinctively swing at something that's coming towards them. Well, golf doesn't really provide us with that because the the ball is still and you have a tremendous amount of time between shots. The time between shots, I think, is what creates the issue. Yes. And the issue is, is that we get into our head. You know, yeah. Am I doing this thing right? Am I going to be prepared today? Am I going to take the the lesson I learned or the swing thought I got from golf, from YouTube, and do it correctly? As opposed to 
being in the experience of doing it, whether it's just throwing a ball underhanded. And I think that's the that's the problem. One of the things I wanted to just note was that Fred said the other night that I think he was he was working on something in his swing. He's as much a golf geek swing yeah. technician as as all of us. Yes. I want you to speak to to this, George. Fred said he practiced something for thirty days. <laughs> I love that. What's up with that? Thirty days, and he said well, he, he's I'll been working on an awareness for thirty days. Yeah. Well, I'll take I'll take it one step further. I, I know for certain that he worked on one inch of a swing plane for one year, one inch, but not to get it perfectly but to feel whether he had it, whether he could tell if it was one inch high or one inch low. Wow. So he had set it up in his garage. He had a, had a camera. He would take a swing, and he would say, I think that was on plane. Go back and look at it. So that was one inch high or one inch low. See, that's not about one inch. It's about developing his awareness on something that interests him. And he'll take unbelievable amounts of time to do it. Yet we want to take a golf lesson and think that in two seconds, everything is going to change, and you're going to create a neural pattern that will last forever. Not okay. So this is so interesting, but very nuanced. So you said so. A lot of people will think he's we're going to think he's working on one inch of his of his swing plane, and so that's going to be very technically oriented. But you said, and this is where I want you to elaborate on the thing that interested him. What do you mean by that? The thing that interested him was his awareness of his swing plane. He wanted he just wanted to know where it was. It wasn't important that it was on plane or out or above plane or under plane. It was important that he knew that it was above plane. Yeah. He worked on awareness. The guiding principle of Fred Bigar's pal, I, I've known him now for 16 years. The print, his big principle is awareness. He goes a lot of places with it, but if you break it down, it's all about awareness. As your awareness grows, so does your golf game. It's the only, it's the only thing I've ever seen really work, and I've been doing this a long time. Oh, well, and, and for a guy like you, George, who was a very fine, you know, teacher in the traditional sense to have, you know, pivoted in your lifetime to this type of pursuit. <clears throat> you know, Tim uh, O'Connor uh, came back from a teaching summit with uh, Fred and used me as a bit of a guinea pig one day. Uh, and I found it fascinating because as much as I've read Fred, until that point, I had never spoken to him. And that day was very interesting for me, Timmy, because, you know, you know, my golf swing at the point was pretty dialed in. But it was just what what George is talking about is like, where do you lose consciousness of yourself? Where are where in your golf swing do you stop feeling your hands or or feeling where the plane of the swing is? And I know these things sound complicated but in a way they're actually simpler are they not tim absolutely what like what you were talking about was there that say the feel of your club now the majority of players as george talked about they're thinking of doing this thing right so where's their attention it's in their heads yeah so they're disassociated from their bodies but if you can maintain say your you decide that your intention is to maintain the feeling of the club in your hands if you can swing that club and maintain that and swing at a speed that you can maintain that feel, it's actually easy. Your body knows what to do. It's incredible when you maintain that feel and your awareness is on your hands as opposed to, am I folding my elbow the right place and is the ball going to turn over? 
George, can you elaborate? Yeah, on that? I, I mean, I, I guess the, the one thing you said is people want to do it right. But suppose, is it possible that there is no right? Is it possible that there's a motion that's instinctive to you, that's your motion, that it may look different than somebody else's motion? So we don't try to get people to look on plane or out of plane. What's natural? What, what would it be like for you to swing a club? Where would it go? Where would it go instinctively? And could you feel the difference? We're not trying to get everybody to swing the same way because nobody will swing the same way. And that's the cool part about coaching. Everybody's different. So if you go into it with, with nothing and you don't have a model, then you can just sort of sift everything by and, and let people find out what's natural to them. It's very easy to do. And when people see it, they're amazed by it. When, you know, we can find somebody's natural motion in five minutes and you put it up on a screen and they're just, and you, if you compare it to the gossling, it's just not something not even close for most people. Now, better players, maybe not, not so much the case, but for the average player, the players I work with most of the time, if they see it, they're just they're stunned by it. They're stunned by their emotion. And their first question is, well, how do I make How do I do it? <laughs> how do I keep doing I that? that. Well, I don't have how? the answer to how you do it, you know? You know, it's... it's let's talk about it. One of the fascinating revelations in extraordinary golf was just that, that average people who thought they were uncoordinated got a chance to see, just for a second... Um, they're, they're authentic, if we can be Chivas Irons for a second. It gave them a chance to see their authentic swing for a moment. And sometimes that's enough to spark a whole other way of, of looking at things. Uh, George, thank you so much for, uh, once again, sharing with us. We appreciate it. Uh, it was great being on the call with you the other night. Fascinating stuff. And, uh, and how do people, if they want to you know, engage with you, where are you? How do, you, how do we reach out to you? Yeah, I'm in Honeybrook, Pennsylvania, golfzoneproshop.com. You get all the information. Um, you guys do a great job. Uh, keep keep up the good work. I mean, you're really promoting golf, and I'm sure people are really excited about what you do. So, so keep it going. Well, thank you very uh, much. Maybe, hey, Timmy, one day we should get in a car and just drive down and hang with George. Come on. Boy, come on down. Stay, you can stay with us. i got a place to stay. i got a great place to practice. Well, don't – hey, George, don't – you don't have no idea. We'll be on our way this afternoon. <laughs> Six o'clock, right? All right. Listen, hang on a second, everyone. Tim Tim O'Connor, golf, the, uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca. We've got a podcast extra coming up. Humble and Fred Show, HumbleandFredRadio.com. This show brought to you by TaylorMade. Watch the uh, big event tomorrow, and we'll see you on TSN Radio one week from today. Man is blowing Dixie, double fall time. You feel alright when you hear the music ring. Uh, once again, it's our uh, podcast extra. This is a little extra bit that we do, George, where we're not on the radio anymore. You can say uh, dirty words if you want. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know if you know my background or you remember it. Uh, you know, I'm close to a scratch golfer. I play at a high level, blah, blah, blah. I play tournament golf. But I would tell you one thing that Fred said the other day that I was uh, fascinated by, because this is a particular interest to me, is the word pressure. Mm-hmm. Now, I talk about being under pressure and exceeding or excelling under pressure and whether it's in my other job or I also do, uh, you know, I do a lot of public speaking as does Tim, but I do a particular type of public speaking that's very different than giving a presentation and there's a lot of pressure. But what Fred was talking about is there are there is no pressure but for the story that you tell yourself. And I was telling that to a friend of mine, and he said, you know, it's funny because I often will speak in front of hundreds of people, and I feel 
you know that you you didn't you can ramp up your pressure meter depending on how much story you give that um and I thought that was fascinating that talking about why do some players and some performers exceed in higher quote unquote pressure situations and and what Fred said that it really resonated with me was the idea that the only pressure is what you create yourself it's a, a self you know originating tale well I mean you can live in a story of uh, when, when that happens what's the worst thing that can happen to you and also you could say what's the best thing that can happen and the best is never as good and the worst is never as bad yeah. and that in itself will reduce some of the pressure because anything that really happens it's, it's in the present and uh, we need to accept whatever happens so that takes some pressure off things well, with your kids, Tim, like when you're coaching your your athletes on the on the golf team, you know you're playing in some pretty high. They're playing in high level tournaments, but why did why is it that as uh, amateur players, or in my you know my case a senior amateur, why do I think that playing with you and George on a Saturday morning you know fun game is any different than when I'm playing in the Canadian senior amateur? But it is. It's just how you interpret that, Timmy. Exactly. There's the the exact word, interpret. You, you're in this experience and you're interpreting, oh, this is important. Uh, my identity is tied to this. Uh, how will I judge my performance? How will other people judge my performance? How will it look? The leaderboard is live. Are people yeah. going to look and see I'm <laughs> hacking my guts out and go, <laughs> yeah. oh, there's Tim again or there's Howard, whatever. You know, And again, it's how we interpret that situation. Yeah. And so that what I was telling my it was this happened over and over again last year i kept came to the same piece i said what story this is to my uh university players what story are you telling yourself and so often they're just in this story of well you know i i choke in high pressure tournaments or i'm you know i can't make putts today and i said if you could just let go of that story if you just not interpret this as something that's going to define who you are and your identity depends on it. Yeah. But I, I, so the quote that Fred, I wrote this down, put a big asterisk beside it, said, "No one plays better under pressure because all it's it, pressure is all self-propelled, uh, whatever." Right. When well, he said, "Because if you're if you're feeling pressure, you're not in the present moment. You're in the future. Exactly. You're in the past." And I can tell you from whether it's as a golfer or as a comic, when I'm most, you know, in the in the groove is when I'm most in the room, when I'm most in my body. I've told this to Tim before, George. If I go on stage and for the first couple minutes, I feel a little bit where I can't focus. Literally, my eyes are having trouble focusing. I know I'm not in the room. I'm in my head. And I need to do something to get out of that mode. For me as a golfer, what's helped me the last three or four years is I've played four years in a row in national championships. And I can tell you, the first year, four years ago, I got off the golf course and I was getting sympathy texts from my friends who saw that I, who saw that I shot 90 fucking two. But I got used to it. You know, I mean, I shot it. I've shot 92 and I didn't die. And I've shot 72 and it felt cool, but there wasn't much difference, as you say. I just learned. Yeah, I mean, was, Howard, were you any different a person because you shot 92? I was or a bit, I, I was a bit grumpy. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, I mean, Howard's basically the same. Whether you exactly. Or 92, your world's not going to change one way or the other. 
I mean, but it at does 68, t- you get a lot of adulation. Yep. 92, you know, it's, it's self-criticism for the most part. But you're right. It, it, for me, though, I guess the point I'm making is that the four years have just, I was going to say calmed me down, but I think what I would say to Tim is it's helped me reorient the story around those events to the point where I'm not so tied up. I know that shooting 87 isn't going to make me a bad person, and I know making the cut, yeah, it felt good. It, it felt better than missing the cut, but it didn't make me much different when I got home and the dog and all that stuff. And it, I think that's part of a, a lesson for all golfers. That And I think Fred said that. You're not a better... Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think you can learn from either outcome. Yes. And probably you can learn more from the 92 than the 72, probably, if, if your point of view is such to do that. Well, he said something, too, that I loved, which is you're not a better person. If you're in 10 handicap and you go down to an 8, you're, you're not... You're not, it's not going to make you happier because you're going to want to be, because as he said, now your struggle is to maintain it. And there's this whole other bullshit around golf that we just get wound up in. Yeah. Well, eight is never enough. Then you have need to go to six. Then when you're at six, that's not enough. Then you have to go to four. And then that's not enough. It's never enough. Nobody rarely is satisfied. And that's no. okay. People are competitive, but it's just a different way of doing it. Yeah. George, I think you and I were in Florida. We heard uh, Fred talk at the PGA show. And he talked about <clears throat> this uh, guy in the Champions Tour, never won a major on the regular tour, and he was always, you know, searching for that first major that would would make him that right. he was something. And he finally wins his major, and then Fred's talked to the guy's wife, and she says he's worse than ever. <laughs> That's now, right. now he doesn't want to be known as a one hit wonder. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's amazing. Like, our mind. So. You get what you wish for, yes. and you're still clinging yeah. and searching because you're caught in this story. And you know what? The key thing I loved, uh, because it's in those moments when you shoot the 92s and you have the stuff, that's when you learn. Yeah. It's only through the dark stuff that we ever learn. And like, first, I'm doing these webinars right now, and uh, I tell the story of uh, my club championship about eight years ago. I'm about two over, standing on the... On the um, 18th tee, nice drive, next shot, shank. <laughs> That's right. Into the, into the crap, next shot, shank, and then wedge, three putts, eight, blow myself out. And the guy I was playing with looked like he had just witnessed a train wreck. <laughs> you know, just, and it's all the blood's flying, the body parts. And he, and I, and he looked at me, and I, and I kind of went, hey, I didn't die. <laughs> so, when, when you were standing on the 18th tee, were you thinking I'm two over and all I need is a par to get it with uh, 74? Or is that what you were thinking? Or were we just trying to play the shot? Were you trying to stay present? No, to I, was, I, was aware, I was really aware. And I was also aware that when I got to the middle of the fairway, there'd be about 100 people watching me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you uh, just quickly, out of, out of the realm of golf, you know, that – I've been doing stand-up comedy for almost 40 years, and every guy I work with, every person I work with that has done it for a living has the same story, and it goes like this. First couple times I went on stage, I just killed because I was, you know, enthusiastic and, and young, and, and I was the best of the horrible people that were on that night. And then about the third or fourth time I went on stage, I bombed, like bombed. Had to, I had to destroy the clothing. It stunk like death. And everyone that went on to do it for a living like I did felt how bad that felt and said okay I can live with that because most people feel that and never come back because it's it's 
but it's what you just said, Tim. You didn't die. Like I go on stage now, and it doesn't always go great. But I have I have learned to un, to understand the difference between people hate you <laughs> or you just didn't have a good set. Because most rational people will will bomb in front of a few hundred people and never do that again because they can't mitigate how good it feels to do well versus how bad it feels. Where, whereas most of us have kind of, I, I, I live somewhere in the middle. I'm okay if everything, like if every shot doesn't land in a golf round, that's just part of the game. And it's the same with comedy. You know, sometimes things don't land the way you plan them. It's how you react to it uh, or respond. That's uh, pretty courageous to get out on the stage and tell jokes and, and see immediate outcomes right away. That's, uh, that's you know, everyone says that, George, but it's really not. It's more lunacy, to tell you the truth. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's extremely high ego yeah. needs that really can never, be, <laughs> can never be yeah. satisfied. Uh, George, we've got to let really- you go. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, I, anyways, I was just going to say that uh, when we can let go of like what this all means. Yeah. And my identity's tied to it. I'm great. I'm crappy. Ah, you're just we're just Howard, George, Tim. And some days we're brilliant. Some days, eh, not so great. But most of the times we're okay. And every once in a while, I remember Payne Stewart saying about winning uh, a major. He says they just keep knocking on the door. Yeah. And one day it opens. Uh, listen, Mr. McNamara, we will do that drive sometime. Uh, Timmy and I will come and visit with you. I would, and I would love it. Spend the day geeking out about golf. Always a pleasure seeing you, and thanks again for your Thank uh, you time. Thank you so much, guys. All right, Georgie. Then talk Take to you later. Um, we'll do, George. Bye. Just want to mention quickly, once again, if you're uh, listening to the podcast, the uh, Frontline Fund is the benefactor of uh, the uh, big uh, TaylorMade, team TaylorMade event. Uh, and also, just a reminder, name all four players. It's very simple. We've named them. I'll name them now. Uh, DJ, Ricky, Matthew Wolf. He's the one I'm interested in. And Rory, he's really the one I'm interested in seeing. I'm interested in seeing how how he fits in with that group of superstars. But also, you know, Rory McIlroy. I just can't wait for him to bomb it by Dustin. Because he does. <laughs> he does. He does. And, 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 and his uh, DJ's about a head taller, oh, I think. Oh, Christ. There's, DJ's enormous. And, uh, he's, and he's like such a... Well, they're all specimens, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, the high-performing golfers today are like, you know, Formula One cars. Yep. They're just so tuned and... Oh, my gosh. Uh, so if you do uh, name all four players, the first couple of people that I'm... And I hope... You know, listen, I'm just going to say it right now. I hope it's Brad Chillette because he's one of our biggest supporters. Brad's a great guy. Rudra's in there. Uh, go ahead. And enter if you can on our website or on Facebook. And uh, Tim will put it out on Twitter for us. Um, man, there's so much to uh, talk to you about that that Fred Shoemaker thing the other night. You know, one of the things... And it's funny how... You hear things, you hear things, and all of a sudden they make sense. And uh, I'll just leave you with my last thought, which was, you know, as 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 good golfers, you and I, where you know we know technically where the club is sort of supposed to go and why does it go this way. And uh, but when he talked about the the things that are really the five things to sort of you can pay attention to, we don't need to get into them. One we've mentioned face of the club, but the other one he mentioned is what is my swing plane. And I started thinking about that. And I'm like, why don't that is one of the most important things to pay attention to because it's everything that you're doing. And if you can just feel it. So I went out the next day and I just started with chip shots. 
I thought, what's the plane of this chip shot? 30 yards, 20 yards, 40 yards. And how slowly do I need to swing this club to really put it on the proper plane? And that's all, as a golfer, it's really the number one responsibility. And I thought, and I'm not thinking about anything else. Nothing about my body, nothing about... And it's just remarkable. The outcomes you get by just focusing on something other than you know, what am I trying to do with my full body and all that? And I thought, what a weird, weirdly simple concept. It's again, it comes back to what George was saying is about awareness. Yeah. Where, what am I paying attention to and what am I feeling? You know, and that's interesting for me because this week I did uh, three webinars uh, for Fidelity Investments. Uh, it's my obedience training for your game thing. But, uh, anyways. It's, what's interesting is that they're all Zoom calls. So a couple of the one call, okay, two calls, everyone's video is open. I can all see right. their smiling faces. On one call, two are open, and one person isn't even paying attention. <laughs> what a difference. It's like how – so I'm just trying to pay attention to this little dot. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what a difference. And so I was, I was aware of about 10 minutes into one of them that my body was tight. And I was kind of stammering every once in a while. But when I just connected what was going on in my body, I just chilled. I just relaxed. So it was around awareness of what was going on, how, how I was interpreting the situation, uh, and how that reflected itself in my tight body. Mm-hmm. And when I just relaxed a bit, I was fine. But if I was thinking about, hey, Tim, just relax, for gosh sake, <laughs> That's right. I wouldn't. You know, it really is. Uh, I would love to go and... Uh... How far is George from here? We're, we're in Pennsylvania. It's about an 11 hour drive. Oh, that's a long ride. I thought he was like in just in Pennsylvania. No, um, no, it's, it's, a, it's a hike. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, at some point I wouldn't mind doing it. Just to, it would be cool to be around him. And, oh, and know. he's also got his buddy uh, Jeff Klein, uh, who, who uh, he was on the call. He, Ralph Bauer di- um, diagnosed his swing as well. Oh, yeah. And, and Jeff was also on the, on the call. Um, the other night, and, and Fred was alluding to sort of his his disciples, uh, John Poole, Jeff Klein, George, some other people. Quickly, uh, a friend of ours who we know, golf coach, he says, you know what? Fred's a little bit like uh, Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> That's he true. Says, he says people just listen to him and look at his eyes, and it's like, Follow this man. Oh yeah, I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple of Fred. Well, that's and why I set it up like they're all. He's like uh, Jesus and Fred and all you guys. You know, it's like I, this was the first time I because I've been on a few calls with him, just him and I, where he doesn't turn the video on. He just yeah. wants to listen. But this was the first time I've been in a call where where I was getting to see him speak. He is just such a just seems so calm within oh, him, exactly. his own self and um it, it was I, I tell you it came at the perfect time um golf season's about to start and it gave me kind of a fresh perspective on what i'm doing how i can focus on things because i'll tell you after about 30 minutes of hitting these just really slow plane aware pitch shots i'm like god dang it like it's just so simple you know, it really is simpler than we make it. Oh, yeah. And it feels good. And, and what's interesting about Fred is that just listening to Fred is like taking a drug. Yeah. 
You, you, hey, folks, you're feeling a bit anxious. Just, just <laughs> listen to Fred Shoemaker and it all goes away. But I will recommend if you want, you know, if you're if you're interested in what we're talking about, this 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 amazing person, Fred Shoemaker, he's kind of like a golf mystic, if you will. Um, go on YouTube and put in Fred Shoemaker and practice the and I think the the actual video piece is called The Art of Practice. And just watch and listen for about seven or eight minutes of Fred hitting balls as if he went out on an evening yeah. and you'll get a sense of what he's talking about. It's more of an experience at no point is Fred talking about, Oh, what am I doing here? With my elbow or something. He's just hitting shots and experiencing it. So folks, that would give you a great insight into uh, the mystic. All right. Golf listen, Timmy, I, I got a little, I have, I don't know if you heard that, but I got a little present for you. Have a listen. Okay, here we go. Heavy metal thunder. All right. Congratulations, everyone. Golf is back. Uh, stay safe. Uh, Tim and I'll be back next week. Looking for adventure. And whatever.